Hi, I'm Pat Foran. Welcome to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap, a podcast for working indie artists, aspiring music artists, and fans. Each week, I interview a different guest who has a proven track record in the biz or related field. I talk with producers, promoters, audio engineers, managers, songwriters, bands, social media experts, veteran and novice artists too, about their experiences and recommendations. I'll get answers to some of the hows and whys of today's music business, which you will find invaluable in navigating the chaotic world of today's music industry. Today's guest is singer-songwriter Cranston Dean. Let's get going. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm glad... Um, Glad you agreed to do this, and um, thanks for coming on. Glad to be a part of it. Thanks, Pat. I heard a lot about you out at out at the park, Asbury Park, and um, um, I don't know if I saw you perform, but um, I know one of one of the songs that I listened to of yours is um, what's the name of it? Uh, I got the shakes, maybe, or moving on. Yep, uh, both of those are are songs of mine. Oh. Bastille Day. I probably saw that on YouTube. Yeah, I probably saw it on Facebook or YouTube, maybe. Um, but um, I heard so much about you. You're you're uh, musicians on a mission too, right? You're a member yes. of that. Yeah. Although I did lapse in my membership, so sorry <laughs> to uh, no home. I'm gonna have to re up very soon. All right. Well, you shouldn't have said anything because now they're gonna catch me. Oh yeah. Oh no. I just, I just tried to re up the other day. <laughs> I just tried to re-up the other day and it wouldn't, wouldn't let me in to um, to fix it. Me so, either. Uh, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah, it was a little weird. Well, that's a good story. So that's what we'll use. I usually start off with like background questions. So I guess we'll just start there because um, I have musical questions. That, but um, let's let's make sure we cover some of these things first because I'm curious. Um, so now, now, are you originally from New Jersey? I'm from Atlantic Islands, New Jersey. Okay. All right, cool. Right up by uh, Sandy Hook. Yeah, I was just up there around the light of day festival um, to do a little benefit up there. Um, Where at? The second time I was up there. The Chubby Pickle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, hosted the open mic at the Chubby Pickle for years. I started it, actually. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, and I, I haven't been the host for sometime now but I, I was there for years and had a lot of good nights playing in that bar wow yeah I, that's pretty good uh, i think it's the second time i played there um and with a big gap in between um but um yeah so that's cool atlantic islands that's uh who who's that guy the um wrote the game of thrones doesn't he isn't he around the atlantic islands he did hang out there uh there's we have this weird between atlantic islands and highlands there are these oh, two really small towns that people often mistake for one oh. another because they have a very similar name and they're both a square mile oh right on the bay shore and uh and sure, we, so we just we go to, them together we everyone lumps <laughs> us together and it, in some ways like we all go to the same high school so there's like i can oh. see where where it comes from but we have a lot of um just these weird 
connections to celebrity. I'm not sure if uh, George R. R. Martin lives in Atlantic Islands or in the area. He might. I know he's a Jersey boy. Kevin Smith is from Highlands. He went to my high school. He just bought the movie theater in town and uh, it's called like Smod Castle Cinemas and they've been doing really cool events and he's bringing in, uh, you know, people from all over and from his network in the oh. town and kind of it's given a, a cool little lift there. The guy I work for, he built a house for this guy that knew um, what's L. Ron Hubbard or something like oh, okay. that. Some someone strange. I don't remember. Dianetics. Oh um, no no no! I'm sorry. I don't know why I confused Elron <laughs> Hubbard with, and I'm gonna probably piss uh, a lot of people off. But <laughs> who's the dude that directed uh, Lord of the Rings? Oh jeez. Uh oh, we're gonna. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm incriminating both of us so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, I have the power of edit. So. <laughs> oh well. The guy that wrote Lord of the Rings. He wrote Lord of the Rings. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, not not. No, no, he's from New Zealand. Directed the movie. Oh, the, um, he's from Lord, he's from New Zealand, right? Or, I I believe. I never mind. I, I'm I not forget. sure, but I know he's apparently stayed on the couch of the house that my boss had built. So there's like weird connections to um, uh, Peter Jackson. People. Peter Jackson is definitely okay. that's. Certainly the name. And my boss, Ed Harrison, said, oh, yeah, my actually, the couch he apparently slept on is currently in my friend Kevin Daly's basement. So it's a little we have like weird little local prides around us. Uh, Max Weinberg lives oh, in wow. Atlantic Islands. So we're not just we're not really trying to throw names out, but. But let's throw all the names <laughs> that I could possibly think of out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, well, it's it's well, how far is that from New York, from New York City? By the Crow, it's 12 miles to Brooklyn and about wow. 17 miles into Manhattan, but wow. it's all the way around the water. Yeah, you gotta, and when you get off yeah. the parkway, it's a ways away. Well, unless you do the ferry, what's the ferry? Um, Ferry's 45 minutes. 45 minutes, yeah. 45 minutes, and there's ferries had, up and down the Bay Shore there. We had considered moving there. So, um, and so I was looking at the ferry because I was going to travel to New York, like to, um, try and get a job in New York. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember when that was. That was a few years ago. So, um, but, but anyway, enough about me. <laughs> um, all right. So that's pretty cool. So now you're from Atlantic Highlands or Atlantic Highlands. Yep. Atlantic, okay. And I work in, in Highlands. That's okay. All right. Don't, you're going to confuse So it's me. very confusing for everyone. <laughs> um, just don't call it the Highlands. Apparently. I don't know why people get so upset about it, but they do. It's like the pork roll Taylor ham thing in our yeah. very localized area. <laughs> so we call I we call it pork roll here. We call it pork roll here. Okay. And those that call it Taylor ham, we go. Mm. My wife is from Queens, so she calls uh, it Taylor ham. Taylor ham all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, let's see. So, how did you how did you come about choosing music or? Did you kind of fall into it or is it a family thing? Like, how did you get started? With My father was a performer um, all through when I was growing up locally, and he's always been a great singer. And so it was encouraged in the house for sure growing up. And one time he sat me down, he said, hey, do you want to take piano lessons? And I was like, no. 
And he's like, oh, well, you got a piano lesson with Miss Jenny at the Baptist Church on Friday. So you're taking piano lessons now. And uh, so it was encouraged. And I don't want to say forced because I'm really glad looking back. Well, that yeah, there's a little. There. But you kind of have to force. Kind of arm twisting. But yeah. Not, but leading. Leading. like Lead you know, is the better you know, Carrot. You know. Yeah. Um, and then um, my teacher. <laughs> Yeah, encourage, encourage forcefully the encourage. better one. Oh, yeah, <laughs> forcefully or encourage under threat of. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and then I had a great music teacher. Atlantic Highlands and Highlands share the same middle school through high school, and it's called Henry Hudson Regional School. And when I was going there, there was a guy named Thomas Elliott, and he was just a great person and a great uh, music teacher, and he owned a, a music studio in our area that was, you know, a top of the line studio called Shorefire in Long Oh Grand. yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. And yeah, it's a great one. And um, I actually got to record for the new album. I'm about to release all the keyboard parts there. Cause we wanted to use real instruments, but I had a great music teacher growing up and he encouraged us. Um, and we had a, it, he made it an atmosphere that, it wasn't like nerdy at all to be in band, marching band, acapella choir. And then that trickled out, I think, to theater and the all the arts really. It wasn't not we didn't live in a typical American high school, like that big big high school that a lot of people grow up in. Yeah. So I guess you know, people were kinda kind to each other because it's very small towns. But um I, I, I do you live. <laughs> credit you know where I live uh, you I, I, but I credit a lot of that to my former music teacher Mr. Elliot and I uh, think that was very important and just growing up having some friends around that played music that was big I never I don't recall a moment really that I was like I want to do music I think it was just something that was always around and I always loved doing i mean i remember when i wanted to pursue music but it was it wasn't i'm gonna start doing music it was like oh we're already here like let's did you did pursue. you ha have any inclination or interest because of your father i mean because your father was a performer definitely because because like no one in, in my family was a musician or a performer so for me to try and convince them that I wanted to do music um, and we'll get to your, we'll get to your thing. But um, for me, like for me to try, it was like totally like alien, like totally like um, impossible. We were, I was raised in a blue collar town and I'm older than you. So it was a different time too. But um, you know, so how, how would that translate to um, your dad or your, or your parents? Uh, it, you know, when you finally realized that maybe you wanted to do music or perform? Um, well, f my dad specifically was in a lot of theater. Uh, we have a playhouse here in town called uh, First Avenue Playhouse. And he, I, as a child, saw him performing on stage. So that was always a natural thing. Saw him singing. Um, when I grew up as a young man, our family was uh, religious and we went to a Methodist church. And so being around the choir and then as I got into piano lessons, you know, having the opportunity that 
you can go perform for the church. I mean, what a crowd. If you're, if you are a seven to 11 year old kid, it gets cute after there, unfortunately, but you can bomb and the church is still going to love it. And it's a beautiful (laughs) thing. So there was a lot of support there. And then luckily by the time I aged out of that church support group, uh, it was school and we had very encouraging teachers in my particular area. And that was big. My mother is a music fan. She's not the best singer in the world. She's not a bad singer either, but (laughs) she's uh, and she's artistic in other ways. So it was always kind of encouraged, you know, in in multiple ways, but I didn't grow up in a family that was like, we're going to learn how to play. (laughs) Like it wasn't the family band kind of family. And, so there wasn't there wasn't really any expectation either, like any pressure on you to do to do any of that either, because sometimes that that happens too. So as the op- opposite of me, but um, yeah. So I mean, you know, you're if you went to your parents and said, "Hey, I want to be a professional musician," I mean, that could still go south because maybe your, of your dad's experience. Um, you know, even if he had success, he might say, "Well, you know, you might want to become an accountant or a." you know, something steady, you know what I mean? So um, I'm not saying that it's, it, it's uh, an easy, it was an easy path for you, but um, just different, you know? For and, sure. And it's, my, it's gotta my father, be. My father worked on the railroad and I, I wanted nothing to do. He was an engineer and um, he was like, um, you know, well, he's my father, you know, if you get along with your father, it's usually your hero. But I mean, he, um, he was like, I felt like I couldn't do things that he did. You know, he had like perfect vision. I wear glasses, um, just things like that. Like um, he, he personified, you know, kind of what he did. And it was like, there's no way I can do that. Or do I want to do that? So I was like, always like, um, not anti, but um, I didn't like try to figure that out. You know, like, Hey, maybe I want to do this. It was like, I know I don't want to do it like automatically. So um, anyway, so um, back to you. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to give you that perspective. And that's where I'm coming from. Like, it's it's interesting to hear people's experience. And Yeah, I mean, my mother, my mother is a very artistic person. And she's one of the hardest working people I've ever known. I think she is the hardest working person I, I know. And um, she kind of held down a a big bulky job the benefits kind of job but my father was always kind of this like dreamy creative kind of person and so even before the internet really came to be you know what it is today he was excited about the internet and he had a a news uh, online newspaper for a long time out of Atlantic Islands called the Atlantic Islands Herald And I mean, I'm talking way before any of the major publications were online. This man was just like, this is going to be the future. And so there's, there was that kind of air growing up of like, you know, go, you got to You have to work. That's like a fact of life. But if you're going to do something, just go work at it, figure out a way to make it work. I mean, I work construction at the moment as well as music and teaching music lessons, because I'm just trying to, you gotta, gotta do whatever you can do. And yeah, I want to focus as much attention on my original music. So 
taking out the bar gig equation makes it for me a lot less profitable unless people yeah. listen to this new album of mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, and you eventually went to college for music. I did. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to study in Philadelphia at a university of the arts. And I got to do jazz piano there hmm. and I didn't graduate, but uh, the time I did spend there, I, I'm very, very, I wouldn't trade that back for anything because the drummer that I play with currently, I've been playing since the second day we met <laughs> and we've been playing music together ever since. And I don't want to date myself, but that was a long, <laughs> a relatively long time ago for, from my life. And so it, it was a great time. I learned a lot. Do you, ever feel i mean i i felt as far as like learning jazz it was so great because it expands your mindset on what harmony is and what rhythm and polyrhythm is but at the same time being in like a competitive jazz school kind of atmosphere mm -hmm. i feel like that tampered a bit with the innocence that you have from just creating without so I'm, I've been trying to get a healthy balance. And as I teach, I don't teach many kids, but, and adults too. But uh, when I teach, I do try to get as much of that healthy balance of, yes, we need to process this information. Yes, you need to practice and get better. But how oh, do we make it so that it's a little bit, yeah, it has to be fun for you or you will yes. not practice. Yeah. Um, there was a, jazz pianist john coach jr i think did you I'm ever not, run across no, he, him? he was no. from the philadelphia area i remember i met him um through a mutual friend um that was i also want to point out that i am in no way a jazz musician i studied <laughs> jazz as a framework to study music i was terrible at it i uh consider myself much more a songwriter i play the piano and i'm i'm grateful for all the hours i put in there now because i really enjoy sitting down at a piano but i don't know many of the the modern day jazz people and the contemporary players other than the ones i went to school with that have continued to do it because I, I studied i studied jazz too yeah um, for for a number of years and i studied with um a guitarist out of philadelphia joe federico and um he was uh considered a disciple disciple of uh, Dennis Sandoli. Dennis Sandoli was one of the considered one of the best guitarists in the world, you know. And um, so Joe was, you know, very, very uh, deep, deep rooted into jazz and classical. Um, not pick, not finger style classical, but uh, you know, using a pick, pick style. Um, so for basically for jazz guitar so so you could influence your uh, jazz guitar playing um yeah but i mean i kind of broke away from jazz after a while because i realized that um i really wanted to do more of a rock pop kind of thing that was really where my heart was and, and though, although i love jazz um i just thought you know i don't think it's going to pay the bills <laughs> And I have a better chance at rock pop paying the bills. This is at the time 
Um, you know, today it's like, who knows, but, um, you know, what's going on, but, um, we're, we're going to hopefully talk, have time to talk about, about that a little bit, but, but anyway, um, yeah, so no, I don't see, I think, you know, the basis, um, your basis in jazz studies, um, it's definitely going to influence your, um, pop, if I can say pop, just use that loosely. But that's what they say in jazz school, right? It's yeah. pop or it's jazz or it's classical. That's it. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe the folk figures yeah. in there, but, um, but I mean, the people that you were talking about competitive school, well, the people that I knew who were really good at jazz when I went to college, I was just starting to learn it. Um, when I went to college, um, people that I knew that were good were playing since they were six, nine years old. And some of them had already toured. Like the one guy that I knew he had already toured with, um, Diana Ross or was on a perpetual tour with her. Like every so often he would back her up. I forget what instrument he played, but, um, so I had people, people at school who, um, and one guy, you know, made it big. I don't want to say, I don't want to date myself, <laughs> but, um, he's, he was, um, an influential, uh, sax player and, um, work with sting and this and that. So, um, you know, he was there at the time that I was there. And so that guy is like, he came from a jazz family and, um, that, you know, what I'm, what I'm getting at is like my teacher, uh, my last teacher, Joe Federico, um, he grew up with jazz. Right. So he heard it. They heard it on the radio. It was contemporary music at the time for him. A lot of what he listened to. Um, so it could have been Miles or, you know, Miles is in his heyday when this guy was growing up. Um, my teacher was growing up, um, you know, all, all the cool jazz and, you know, post bebop players he, he probably grew up with listening to. And, um, you know, I didn't have that. I listened to rock. Right. So I listened to rock and pop and that was my exposure. And of course I did hear jazz, but I didn't know what jazz was. I mean, I studied it. Um, and I learned a lot more about it. I mean, I really liked, um, got really dug in with, uh, Charlie Parker, like that. Cause that bebop, bebop is, yeah. they talk so much about the bebop vocabulary. And I remember just going, I don't, I don't know that vocabulary. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but now I, that concept of thinking about certain phrases as, Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, yes. I've heard that before then you kind of can break it down as vocabulary and that in that way, I've definitely been, been able to apply it in my own life to either my own music or to listening to, I, I really love Irish and Irish yeah. tunes. I love Irish songs, but there's a radio program up out of New York called WFUV. And on a clear day, you can get it all around my area. And that on Sundays, they just play, traditional iris music and after i listened to it so many sundays that you start hearing these phrases and I, it is that vocabulary but when it came to bebop and charlie parker yeah. and when i got introduced to those guys i was like i don't understand <laughs> speaking way too fast yeah slow it down well, they have these um you know parker well he studied classical music growing up um and i 
I reckon that his the wide intervals that that he uses came out might have come out of Bach. You know, if you use, do like Bach conventions, things like that, yep. study Bach. Um, there's a lot of these wide. You know, what is it? Minor ninth or ninths, right? Yep. Um, and um, so I'm not saying that he ripped off Bach, but I think he was heavily influenced by that. And like he like he put it together. Right. That, and then like, John like no one else did. plays <laughs> in his unit for so long until he breaks off on his own. And then yeah. like Miles, John Coltrane plays with Miles too. Miles played, I'm sorry, Miles played with Charlie Parker. Coltrane played with Miles. There's just like cool lineage in jazz. I looking yeah. back, I do love jazz, but I just I just don't speak the language. I love Portuguese music and Brazilian <laughs> music, but I have no idea. Yeah. No, right. It's, it's a, um, it is a language. It's a, it's a whole, um, um, it's, it's like, I think it was Bradford Marsalis. I think, was it him? Someone said, um, you have to live it. Maybe it was miles. Like you can't learn it. You have to live it. And that's kind of what you're getting at. You know, um, it, it has, it has to be ingrained in you. Like you have to, you know, it has to be part of you. Right. Uh, now, when when you perform, like how much I think it's so important to have things memorized, but you can't memorize anything unless it's like ingrained in you. It has yeah. to be like I, I oftentimes, especially if it's a very wordy song, I try to get into a place where you just let the song flow through you instead of we're not consciously thinking about singing the song it's more about tuning into the song yeah. than it is about what's the next verse if you're there then you just gotta go do it again right would you agree with that yeah i think it's i think it's this thing where well you put a lot of practice in already right so now you're just channeling that and and the way i try and describe it is i, I kind of i say in the moment right because that's that's what you're delivering to the audience um and you have to be there right to to deliver that song uh, or that performance um, properly. And it, it could change, you know, you could play it a little different tomorrow night than tonight or, or from last today from last night. But um, yeah, it's like, um, I don't want to say autopilot because that would be emotionless and right. So not strictly autopilot, but you're definitely tapping into, uh, you know, this like channeling when you walk to the store that you walk to all the time, yeah. you don't have to think about where yes. you're turning and where, you know, where your foot are going after you, as you're walking, you're not going left, right, left, right. I think yeah. it gets to a place like that with music. That's a beautiful thing. Cause then you can live in the emotions of that moment. As you're saying, the moment is what you're, you're decorating that space and time. I love hearing, Oh, well, Music's just a decoration of time. Like that's a that's a nice way of of putting it. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's Great there's time. definitely a time element. Mm. And um, yeah, because it is like, um, so you could look at it that way. Like every every performance is a slightly could be a slightly different canvas or whatever. You know what I mean? Like so, you're you're um playing that out, painting it out or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, I mean the jazz background definitely influences me classical too, but I don't try to 
early on, I, you know, there was more, you could hear more of it than, than you probably would today, although it's still there. I mean, I can't, you know, dismiss it altogether, but, um, but anyway, I write a little differently. Um, so you mentioned about lyrics and so do you write your own lyrics? Yeah, I write okay. my own lyrics and chords and, um, most of you know the arrangement as far as well all the arrangement as far as the form of the song goes but then i have a a band of a bunch of great players and you know uh this guy shane luckenbaugh on the drums max carmichael on the guitar riley shiro on the guitar and patty c on the bass and so when i bring it to those guys then it can get arranged out a bit but that's i feel like just the way that you play with a group of people it kind of arranges itself and settles into uh to place when it's especially when it's a group of people that you trust and you know and love you know so um yeah because i listened to some of the lyrics um you know we're we're very i couldn't i don't know your your music that well but um you know i could hear some craft in the lyric writing thank you, you know? um a little different, like, um, I I don't remember what song it was, but, um, but I mean, where do you come up with an idea like, um, Bastille Day? On that one, it, I love history. I have another <laughs> song called, uh, Sarajevo. And well, do you it, have French, any French heritage or anything? I have French Canadian heritage, okay. yeah, but we were, we were in Canada long before that happened so we <laughs> don't really have a say in in the matter i think and um but i think and, and i wrote it years and years ago i wrote it i think in maybe 2010 2013 somewhere in there and it was more just about um kind of i felt gated out of being in music and so it was like let's break and try and for everybody else to do the same with whatever there it was a very hopeful vision at the time yeah it's a cool um a cool uh topic um or theme for for a song um my wife laughs at me because i know when bastille day is and i have no french heritage but um yeah, I have found, some. Is it the seventeenth of June, or am I wrong? I think it's the fourteenth, isn't it? Oh, geez, see, I don't know. <laughs> or no, I think it's fourteenth of July. It's after, after Fourth of July, I believe. Just so, like their independence, they were like, "Oh, that was a good idea, America." <laughs> um, Teasing. Yeah, well, I was influenced to much to the chagrin, chagrin of the king. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> his last America. chagrin. Yeah, uh, July fourteenth. And why do I know that? Because when I was a kid, we had a family friend who was had French heritage. And we would have 4th of July, and then he'd always talk about Bastille Day. Bastille Day is coming up. <laughs> so I need another excuse to party like this yeah, again. We're going to do exactly. it. Two more weeks. <laughs> more beer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, another beer day. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know that I ever think about i think about history i'm a big history buff but i don't know that i ever wrote anything regarding history but maybe i did yeah i don't think those particular songs that i mentioned are like regard 
it's not about Bastille Day or the actual storming yeah. of the Bastille. It's just uh, I, do, I do like to reference those yeah. those kind of things. Just cause no, but I think it's cool. I mean, I, I I think that's and and again, like a lot of people probably don't even know what that is in the states. You know what I mean? So it's so now you're like pushing that out there, and people are like, "Oh, what's that mean, Bastille Day?" So you're like making people curious about that too. <laughs> and now today we can Google it. So Google it, people. Yeah, go Google it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, uh, not you know, I I think I do. I think I might do more political references, although they're hidden. Um, I think that's important too because the overt in your face, even Bob Dylan was hidden about it and his were pretty close to the <laughs> overt, you know, I love Bob Dylan. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't like to give away my politics, but some people, I had a few people come up to me and say, Oh, you're conservative. I'm like, I am. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not a conservative. <laughs> I'm not to me. I'm like how, why would you think that? And they're like, Oh, well, I don't know. I think it was, and it's like, well, geez, if I, if, if that's my lyrics, then I think, I'm I'm off the mark here, but <laughs> not not to say I do have some conservative views, but not I, like today's. I, I'm conservative. sure I do too. <laughs> I I feel like we all need to get more into a place of. Uh, I remember growing up, and I know it's so tough to do that <laughs> in our society today. It's very tough, but we I think we need to try to get back to a place of. Hey, we can disagree. Yes. I think as long as it's not fundamental, like disagreements about rights of life and like people's quality of living, I think we can disagree on things. And as long as we're being decent to each other and decent to ourselves, we can get better. And because we've gotten into this place, I believe that we're so ready to jump down anybody's throat for you don't believe in what I believe in. And I get that. But it, with the internet, I see a lot of people oh, yeah. being really rude to people that live right near them. And I go like, and it's over wide ranging worldview things. And at the end of the day, nobody has a better ability to help you or hurt you than the people that live around you. So yeah, your neighbor. What's it gonna be? Pick like we should be getting to a place where like we're we're helping out each other. You know, I I'm lucky that I've always lived in neighborhoods that cared about the people near you, and I know that's not the case anywhere. But I think people can kind of make that case for their own neighborhood. Throw a barbecue, yeah. you know what I mean? Veggies, hamburgers, and hot dogs, and then. Invite all your neighbors. Yeah, I mean, so there's, more, good... there's more that people will agree on than disagree on. Uh, yeah, and you, you start to, taking the time to do that. When you start that. talking, yeah. And these extreme, you know. One way or another, too. Extreme ideas or extreme, extreme positions, you know, are, that's, a, that's just what they are. It's just extreme most of the time. It's like crazy, not crazy, but, well, it's crazy. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, people just get, extremism in any shape yeah. or form is crazy like people yeah. that are so into any one artist or thing or like my grandmother but I, i'm not even gonna go go there yeah. she had a picture of a blessed man to many people so i'm not gonna <laughs> talk 
any, any trash on uh well um so wh- where i was going with that was that um back when i was growing up there were democrats who were conservative conservative democrats and you had moderate um i don't know if they had liberal republicans but they had um moderate republicans uh progressive maybe like a progressive it would be called and a liberal is a progressive. Like the Ross Perot's of the day, wasn't he? Yeah, it is. Conservative? It is uh, I think he was conservative, but see, but I think that progressive leaning conservative at the time, like, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think what we need to do is we need to look at the good, you know, go in a good direction and um, do good and not, you know, um, chastise someone or um i think we're we're not giving anybody you know being overly critical but at a very snap a snap of the finger kind of moment it's people are making blanket judgments all the time in every direction coming from every single side because it's all a circle anyway really but so i do have a couple of songs about you know with political not i wouldn't say political i would say like human um feelings that are sewn into politics human politics feeds off of the fact that we humans feel and they're just like oh you feel a certain way about this and it is a big to me, I see it as like a money-making machine, like anything else that's giant in this world. Yeah, well, that's that's what happens. It gets, um, and that's okay. That's the way of the world. Like we're not going to change that. It'll never change. It's but. it's just like the internet itself. I mean, it's just like music, um, and and the way music went, um, popular music. Um, my wife and I were we were trying to watch a little bit of Coachella, <laughs> and so the the women on the stage are like wearing these shorts, like way up, you know, showing their rear end. And, um, it's like, I, you know, is that really necessary? I mean, like, and Hey, I mean, like, if, if that's what you are into, that's what you want. Awesome. Well, I mean, it's things, not things what are I... like sexualized, like, um, but then there's, you know, this not movement, but a, uh, sensibility about over sexualizing women but then you have people up there on stage doing stuff and it's like like don't you <laughs> tell i me, think the industry sure that they don't the necessarily might, like it might be like kind of guilty of that but i have yeah. talked to to some like of my contemporary female performers and they they would say that like you know it's it's not so much a a sex sales thing is it is a I chose to do this so I'm gonna I don't know there's like an empowerment argument to it it's strange it's something that which is how somebody know, could I, twist, I have, like, twist it around and say, but, <laughs> sure. somebody's manipulating the, it's, pulling it's, the strings well, it's and, just know, a like, circle anyway you can whatever side of the circle you're seeing it from you can't be on the north south east or west of the circle you well, I'm just saying if you have to, well, anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that because now I'm now I'm being overly critical. No, and, it's all right. Um well it's it's just the way things are. I mean, I'm not trying to change anything, I'm just observing and 
and I wasn't the one that said anything. My wife mm-hmm. was the one, like you know. Yeah, and she's going, "Why? Yeah, why? no, why? I'm not watching it to see rear ends yeah. bouncing on stage. You know, I'm just I want to know what's going on. I want to hear the music. I'm a musician. That's why. I'm. So, um, you know, I just you know like the who is it Charlie XCX? Is that I don't know how you pronounce that, but um, she was she was pretty popular. Anyway, they're all doing it. But, um, but I think it's like the, you know, they're talking about hip hop and rap and how they're degrading women. And then you get these other women, they go out and it's a girl, a woman group, female group, and they're doing the same, not exactly the same thing, but I mean, it's, you know, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I also think that's like part of the blanket statement thing. Cause when I love folk music and I play (laughs) in a band called Jackson Pines and they're they're very focused on folk music so for me it's this like glorious place to pull up songs from near far from centuries ago or from decades ago or from last year and kind of visit them with those guys and we were talking the other day what what is folk music other than songs that people do around their neighborhoods around the places they work about the places they work the people they love the hardships the happy times and it's done out of a sense of i just want to make music i want to have a good time with these people and not hey we're doing folk music over here which is fine and that's a huge part of what i am doing as a songwriter is like hey please come to my show (laughs) asbury lanes the 28th of may Mercury Brothers, Jackson Pines, Emerson Wolf. That was a shameless plug. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as much as I do that, I love just singing old folk songs. And like we were talking earlier about kind of once you know them, you just kind of let yeah. you're on autopilot. But that's where you can really play with emotions because you're not thinking about notes. You're thinking about delivering a whole line of, of a song. And I think one of the things we reached, we were like, and Bob Dylan says it in one of his uh, sections of his autobiography, but somebody asked him what his favorite folk music at the moment. And it was the nineties. And he was like, hip hop is my favorite (laughs) folk music right now. Cause when you break it down to what is all these other styles of folk music, hip hop and rap are just that. And there's so many stories being told. And then the commercialized version of, Hey, come see me. I'm great. That, gets like the bad rap for no pun intended for all of it and um i think rock and country definitely gets that moniker too right like yeah you know like all that (laughs) stuff like that's not merle haggard and that's not waylon jennings and charlie pride and hank williams senior like that to me that is like my favorite country music so I'll always go like, oh, like country's bad when people say that. Oh, country's bad. Is it though? Like, it's more like well, it's, awesome. <laughs> it's more like uh, Southern rock. I was just, we talk about this. And then I was going through, I was, um, I've been talking more about hip hop and rap and how I saw it coming up. And it's very similar to what you just said. I, I, I didn't like it at first. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, a, a, there's many reasons. I mean, one of them is economic when it was first coming out. And I was saying, well, you know, people were paying, playing drums on garbage cans or, you know, buckets in the street, you know, and 
And I'm like, that's not music. And it's like, and then, you know, later on I was like, ah, you know, I get it. You know, it was like, that's like you were saying, like a folk music of, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, a voice because they don't, the people that couldn't afford drums were drumming on something and delivering that. And, um, and then of course, you know, I mean, I don't know too much about it. Like, um, I didn't listen to it. I mean, of course I heard it, I heard rap and hip hop, um, when it came out and as it developed. Um, but it's pervasive. I mean, it's all through music influence all TV, around the world, movies. commercial TVs, movies. It's, yeah. it's all, all in there. And I think it's, but the storytelling aspects of it, if, if you haven't checked, like really delved deep into Kendrick Lamar's albums, I think he's one of the best storytellers of all time. And like, just a, a true American genius a true world treasure to me. And, uh, but to me, he's folk music. It happens to be in the, yeah. and his is commercialized, but his first like mixtapes, he has one called section 80 and it's just a self-produced mixtape. And the stories he's telling on, on this mixtape, it's that's it's folk music. It's one of the best folk albums I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, um, so you, you write your lyrics. Um, did you study with anyone or how did you, how did you develop as a lyric, lyricist? Uh, I studied with like Bob Dylan and Paul Simon <laughs> and Paul McCartney and uh, just, yeah, just like a lot of. Before Zoom. Before Zoom, before any of that, <laughs> before, even before, uh, before a lot of accessible music you, you know a lot of it was when you napster i was a napster person <laughs> at one point was it limewire there's oh, a couple yeah. other i'm probably incriminating myself but i definitely uh no i was on napster you know yeah we all we, um, everyone was at the time well, because my son told me about it oh yeah my son was telling, he was i had just get got started back into songwriting and gave it up for a number of years to raise my family and my son was in high school, sons were in high school and I was talking to my oldest son. And I said, Oh, you know, I'm getting back into songwriting. I'm going to start performing again. He's like, Oh, well, nobody pays for music anymore. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You can't do that. He's like, he's like, Oh no, you know, cause you know, I, I'm on this or maybe he'd mentioned LimeWire, but, um, so I took a look at Napster and I started listening and, um, I mean, everybody else was doing it. So, um, and then eventually, you know, I got a subscription and, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, started paying for it. But, but, um, still, I mean, I, I like alternative music. So I really plugged into alternative at that point, you know, because that was available. And, you know, years ago, you used to have like underground or FM radio was kind of underground radio, some of it. Um, where it wasn't commercial radio and they would play whole albums and sides of albums. And, you know, that's how I heard Billy Joel. I heard um, some of, some of the early. Um, and when I was a kid, I mean, I'd heard like doors on FM, which, um, you know, it was just a different experience. Well, now I'm dating myself, but it was a different experience. And so what am I saying? I'm trying to say that, 
um, with um, spread of wrap. Um, I'm trying to link it, link that with underground. It was like a subculture, you know, originally. And um, you could put out an album in the early, in the early days, you could do a vinyl album. And I remember like, like MC Hammer, right. He was probably one of the biggest commercial successes early on. Um, And he was selling, um, albums out of the trunk of his car, going to perform, selling albums out of the trunk, trunk of his car. And um, like today you can't do that because most people don't buy CDs. So there has to be another way. And uh, I think what I'm getting at is like the streaming, like even if it's, even if it's like free or free, so to speak, or you won't get paid, you know, that's, it's just one a vehicle to get your music out. It is. Pro- it- it definitely is, but I, I, you know, it's something that frustrates me um, in many ways. Not, I don't know exactly why it frustrates me because it is a good way to get your music out. However, it doesn't seem to be. You know what I mean? Like, it's, well, it's monetizing it. Um, it's a good way to get your music out, and it's very democratic. But there's like sixty thousand songs a day being released on Spotify. So how do you overcome that? That's that's part of what this podcast is about, trying to talk to songwriters like yourself and, and performers um, and see what they're thinking and see if anybody is making any headway. And um, But you're, you're pretty popular um, at the shore, like in the New Jersey shore. Yeah, I, I've, I've had some, some good times and there's people that, that come out. and Yeah, I mean, I've heard oh. about you. You know, hear, hear about you every once in a while, and um, but you toured. You actually toured. Um, yeah, we we traveled. Yeah, we we do as much traveling as we can. Before uh, COVID, we were traveling quite often, and then since we had a really nice summer linked up for 2020, and there was something about seeing all those dates just go bing 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 bing. <laughs> that I was just like, oh, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time booking because I also do all the booking or most of the booking at least. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't going to sit down and do that again for, a, it took me a little while and we're getting back into it, but now we're doing more weekenders. I just got back from Maine um, where I do some recording as well. And we go from there to Chicago to Nashville and back wow. to here and, places in between whenever we can cool i saw i saw a video of you from providence um i i played in college i played in a band uh, out of bristol rhode island oh and, yeah um, had been to providence several times but i went back probably about 10 years ago and it's like amazing what um what's going on or what was going on there at the time they were they were building it up at the time um, but we haven't been back. We're, I'd like to get back up there. Yeah, I and, love um, going to Rhode Island. I, yeah. I've met some really, really sweet people in Rhode Island. Um, uh, Newport as well. I always thought, oh, Newport, I'm not going to like that. It's going to be too ritzy oh. for me. Yeah. And then I got there and my buddy, my buddy Dave, who uh, he plays in a couple different bands up there. And he got us in and I was like, this is awesome. I always thought it would be different. And he's like, where do you think all the people that work 
live and i was like oh yeah like <laughs> everyone's got to live somewhere too and so like the people i loved to hang out with i just didn't expect i'd see them in uh in newport rhode island but everyone's there all played, the, all played, you did one gig at the biltmore years ago um i, I remember doing that i don't i didn't play i never played in newport but we played in middletown close to mm-hmm. on the way to newport Rhode Island's weird because if you moved there from out of state and somebody was like, Hey, I know you live in Providence, but come down to Newport. I'm playing down there. People would be like, Oh, it's all the way across the state. No, thank you. (laughs) And then if you moved there from anyone else, where else you would, you would say, uh, be going, Oh, I'll go there. That's like what an hour away. No big deal. If you're from New Jersey and you moved there, you'd be like, no big deal. But all the Rhode Island folks, seem to be the ones that are like and ah, that's that's all the way across the state and you're like no but you have a, a wee little yeah. state and for how small it is it's yeah. all beautiful you go to all of it yeah it's um no it's a great area we go up there we kind of vacation up there when we can um narragansett and then we hit newport and um yeah it's just a great area i think the i don't know if it's I think we were on the beach one time and one guy was walking by there's surfing and stuff. And the one guy was like, they were talking about Rhode Island. I guess the guy had never been there before. And he's like, yeah, man, the whole state's the beach. You know? <laughs> we were laughing, but that's pretty much what you have, you know, access you know, to the water. And it's evo- I know revolves around that. Um, yeah. So I was, I thought that was cool that you played in, in Providence. Um, so, um, I wanted to dig a little bit more into the lyric writing, but I don't know how much time we have. We're, we're pretty much coming to, um, the winding down here. Um, but maybe we can talk about it another time, your lyric, like get into it a little bit more. Um, what I, what you should do is at this point is, um, so you mentioned Dylan and Paul Simon, did you mention? Uh, Paul Simon. Okay. I, I loved uh, James Taylor. There's a uh, Chris Dealey from Punch Brothers, big on uh, my list. So, what do you um, what do you consider your music? What what kind of genre do you consider it? One genre or oh, Christ, that's the hardest. How question. do you market that? I, I it's very difficult um, because I do I do love country music and I do love hip hop and I do love elements of jazz. Well, the the elements I can play of jazz, I love all the jazz, but um, and traditional music, so it's definitely a blend. And Indian alternative music, it's a blend of a little <laughs> all of those things. So Everyone on my album is kind of indie's the safest because I'm not signed <laughs> to any my, label and I never I have been, indie, so I thing. technically am indie. Yeah. Um, by all and I do all. Well, my I hear music. right away. I heard um, Americana. Which is what uh, folk and you know could be a little country. That's like an indie kind of word, like America. Yeah. <laughs> plays acoustic guitar. There's a banjo sometimes. America. But th- then I also heard kind of Jason Mraz type. Yeah, I, I, I like John Mayer that. growing up. I thought okay. he. Yeah. I think he's a fantastic writer still. You know, um, Jason Mraz is a great. I never really dove into his music, but when he comes on the radio, I'm not like, boo, turn it off. So yeah. what do people like you the most for um, voice or 
songwriting? What do you hear the most? Definitely my dance moves, but uh, <laughs> without question, I mean, I am, I'm skilled, but um, I don't know. There's people who have said they really enjoy my voice. Uh, and I think that's a lot of people that don't listen to lyrics much. And I know a lot of those people because I okay. consider myself a stronger lyricist. Okay. Let's take it easy. There. Let's of, not get too vocal. harsh. Let's not harsh on that. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry guys. But uh, you know, you know, there's plenty of people that are like, Oh yeah, I don't listen to the lyrics until like the fourth time around. And yeah. I'm like, that's the first thing I listen to the musical. I maybe I'm somewhat lucky having heard enough music that I could be like, cool. That's what's going on there. And we're going to focus on the lyrics, but, uh, well, you're a musician too. So that, that might be discerning musician. (laughs) Um, I get, um, a lot of musicians like my music. Yeah. It might be the the musician's musician and that might be where I rest, but, uh, they get that. Yeah. They, they like, like almost immediately. I don't know if I have anything to get, but it seems like they get whatever I'm doing. Like they get it. Where other people are like, oh yeah, man, I like your voice, you <laughs> know, I yep. like that song, you know. But um, I do kind of, I do try to write more, a little more on the poppy side. So I do write more, like I try and write a catchy chorus versus earlier music that I wrote, which was more like if you would say Americana um, or folkish or rock folk. Um, and I come from a, like a Led Zeppelin kind of, mm-hmm. I get that by the, uh, I, I see a Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I couldn't resist album in the back. Hell yeah. yeah. I couldn't resist that. Um, yeah. Um, so, so, so where I was going with that was I immediately heard some of what I like in your music, what I, okay. the way I write and what you do. Like, um, it's, and now I, I haven't heard everything that you do, but I mean, some of the songs, so they're not like, not necessarily up tempo, but, um, like sort of driving, like rhythmic, rhythmically driving. Um, and I write a lot, a lot of music like that. Um, so I have a feeling that maybe we have some common interest, um, in, you know, probably folk. Or, because I think yeah, I think, and 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 maybe via Led Zeppelin too. I don't know, but oh um, yeah, if you if you hear like a lot of early rock, there's a lot of folk influence in it as well as country, etc., blues, and you know we can go on. But um, and and I think I was talking to somebody last week, um, and they mentioned the distinction because I was talking about folk, but what I like Led Zeppelin would actually have been English folk music, not yeah. American folk music. Yeah, there's. But, the, I mean, in the English-speaking world alone, there's. I, I know of some really great Canadian folk musicians, English, Scottish, Irish, and Americans, and um, and I'm sure I'm I'm missing out on on some other uh, cultures that have great english speaking folk songs i would love to learn another language because i know i'm missing out on so many great stories like i i speak at work uh, i work construction and i work under a dude from chiapas mexico and he tries to teach me as much spanish as he possibly can a lot of it's <laughs> dirty um 
but and then a lot of it's like conversational <laughs> however i'm not the best at it yet and it'll take me a long time to be able to talk with him in short sentences and then i think it'll take a lot longer to understand concepts and and the way that that culture and a lot of spanish speaking cultures think because it is different to the way that english language is so important to your concept of of the life we live in anyway and i think the english language thinks and like there's words in japanese that it's one word for eight english words and i yeah. think that things like that are if i could only learn every language there's <laughs> great folk music everywhere that i'd be really into i had um michael ronstadt who was a friend of mine um he's a cellist um he's related related to uh, linda ronstadt i was thinking yeah well they um well somebody that was talking about him before i met him i think they introduced me to him they're like oh yeah it's michael ronstadt like you know right i'm like i don't know michael ronstadt like how i'm do not you know? up to date on linda's like, family tree so, right so i mean so they're trying to say Ronstadt, Ronstadt, and I'm like, like it was just like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. and and the, and the, they're like, oh yeah, it's Linda, Linda Ronstadt's nephew. I'm like, oh that Ronstadt. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, the reason I bring that up is because they had Spanish, um, I think it's heritage or culture. I know that their grandfather moved to Mexico and worked, or great grandfather or great grandfather was. Um, had like a business or something. They lived in Mexico for a time. And um, so they picked up a lot of the Spanish music. They were musical, picked up a lot of Spanish music. So Linda Ronstadt actually did, I believe she did at least one album of Spanish folk music um, or Spanish influenced folk music. And um, the Ronstadt's like her brother and his sons, Michael and Petey, um, they actually toured um, with a, um, a a group that they called themselves Ronstadt Generations. So they paid tribute to their heritage and um, to the music of their heritage. And it was really interesting um, because you see like Linda Ronstadt and, you know, from the seventies and how she, you know, killed, you know, was a killer rock musician. And you would never think that it never dawned on me that she, cause I grew up by, I'm like part, uh, part Irish heritage and um, my dad and his brother and family, like they used to sing these Irish songs and I didn't want anything to do with it. Like I was a rock and roller. I didn't, I wanted, everything had to be new. You know, I didn't want anything to do with the old. I wanted the new. That was the culture at the time too. Um, the pop culture. And um, so, you know, I would never suspect someone would have that kind of, those kind of roots and could be successful at rock music. You know what I mean? Like, and so, back to what you were saying about Zeppelin in that way, like Robert Plant and Alison Krauss nowadays, like, oh yeah, like he's gone. He's like, Oh, I'm gonna, I love mandolins and banjos <laughs> and, you know, acoustic yeah. guitars as well. Yeah, I well, think they some had, of that stuff's real cool. Yeah, Zeppelin had some really cool, um, especially for the time, they had some really cool um, uh, undertakings, you know, acoustic music, and which wasn't done by 
a rock band like that, you know, back then. Um, I mean, sure, you could say Jethro Toll, but it was done a little differently. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so so we were talking about your genre and um, what what you considered your genre, but it's not Multi- really that. I think it would, you know. if I, I don't think it has a name, but I'm going to call it multi-genre small <laughs> music. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I put on my one sheet, multi-genre, yeah. multi-genre, you know, uh, small town music. And then list everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, there was an old, uh, Saturday night live, um, skit and Dana Carvey. Are you familiar with Dana Carvey? Yep. Right. So he was a regular Saturday night live and he did a skit where, um, he was posing as, a an English songwriter and uh British songwriter. And he was going into a record label into the, the audition room with a piano, just acoustic piano. So they're like, okay, Derek, you know, his manager brought him in there. He's like, okay, Derek, you know, play us your latest. And so he didn't have anything. He had no songs. So he's just making up a song, like a ballad of the day, like the eighties kind of thing. And, um, He's playing along and it's called, if you ever see it, you could probably find it on YouTube. It's called Chopping Broccoli. And, you know, these, he's going from one, one thing and he's looking at them to see how they react. And then he changes it a little bit. And then, and then they're like, oh yeah, this is like so-and-so. Oh yeah, I get now it's like, so like, what do you consider your music? It goes, oh, a little bit of this. And, and then they're like, oh yeah, I like that. He goes, and that, you know, he's naming the, naming the uh, performer, I think, and, uh, or, or the agent was doing it. And then he was agreeing something like that, but that's like, you just, you just say yes. Right. You just say I'm this and that. And, you know, so if you throw out, throw the bucket of names out, you know, they're going to hit something. So they're that they're going to like, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. (laughs) Just reach into the bucket. There's something that you'll probably like. I yes. think in my music, if you listen to all uh, of my five, six albums and uh, well, five albums, one EP, if you listen to all of them, which you guys all probably should, whoever's listening, you just listen to every single one of them. And there's probably something there for you. Well, I, I think, you know, people will definitely like your music. Um, you know, it's really good. Um, and your videos, like, you know, you're, you look like you're enjoying yourself out there, you know, and, um, you know, the band is, is really good. Um, so how can we find, how do we find your music on the web? You can find my music at cranstondean.com. It's also on all the major streaming platforms and a bunch of little tiny ones that I had no idea even existed. (laughs) Like I, I guess they're from different, different countries and different markets, but, um, they're on there too. So, you know, you can go check out the Lithuanian version. <laughs> it's out there, I think. Uh, so all streaming platforms, YouTube. Uh, my website is cranstondean.com. And then uh, I post updates to that on all of my socials, which are just cranstondean. I got lucky in that regard. I was named after my great-grandfather. Wow. And uh turns out, not many other people are named that. So it was a good, yeah. uh, didn't have to make a band name. And uh, I, I haven't had to do Cranston Dean too on any social <laughs> medias yet. So here's knocking wood. Cool. And then what do you have um, in the works here? You have 
a music release coming up or an album or what, what what's happening? Yeah, I have an album that uh, is out on May 11th and it's on all streaming platforms. It's called Northern Town and it's uh, it was recorded at home with uh, my buddy Mike Young and my closest friends and a couple dogs. And it's a it's my favorite one so far. So if you listen to any, I hope you check that one out first. And I got a bunch of new songs in the chamber last week when I was up in Maine. I uh, recorded for a little while and we got three, the bulk of three uh, new ones. We're going to release them as singles throughout the summer. And then I tr- I uh, play music. So if you want to see me anywhere near you, hit me up on any of the socials. If you are hearing this before May 28th of 2023, I'm going to be at Asbury Lanes for my album release show. It's going to be Cranston Dean with my band. Jackson Pines, which is another band I play in because I just want to play all night. And <laughs> it's going to be Mercury Brothers, our dear friends, and Emerson Wolf, who I'm recording with next month. So all in the family, and it should be a really good night. So if anybody's hearing this and want to come see us live, we're going to be there on May 28th, 2023 at Asbury Lanes. You can get tickets at asburylanes.com. Nice. Um, congratulations. and. Uh... We'll have to try and make it out to your uh, CD or not CD release. Anyway. And there will be album. a CD. There will be a CD mm-hmm. album release. I should say. Yeah, that's a, that's the that's the proper terminology uh, now. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, um, yeah. And um, is there anything else that you want to say, like to potential fans or your fans that might be watching this? Well, uh, all I could say is thanks for listening this far. Thanks to Pat for having me. And I hope everyone is just kind to yourself and kind to everybody else. And I think we'll be just fine if we do it that way. Cheers. Love you. Awesome, man. Thank you. And, um, well, maybe, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about songwriting at some point. So maybe, um, we'll, we'll hook up again and do another session and, uh, which would be cool. And, um, I just have, I just, um, like to, um, you know, musicians' brains about music and, and their process and things like that, and we didn't really get a chance to get into that too deep today. So um, maybe maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we can do a part two. I love part yeah. two. <laughs> we'll find out next time how that goes. So I stay tuned. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks so much for stopping by. And Thank um, you very much for having me. Hope to uh, meet you in person soon. And uh, like I said, we'll try and make it up for that uh, release party. And um, be well and good luck and take care. Thanks, Pat. (laughs) All right, man. Take it easy. For more information about Cranston Dean, on the web, cranstondean.com. His music is available on all streaming platforms. For more information about Pat Foran, you can look up Pat Foran Music on the web or go to patforanmusic.com. You can find me on Instagram, pat.foran, and also on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap with Pat Foran.